137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to an exciting episode of Pixelated Paranormal. My name is Sean. Of course, I've been spending all evening drawing vaginas and moldy bread with uh, AI art. And with me, as always, is Preston. Preston, my friend, I may have scarred you and put no, you on some no, kind of ban fuck, list. No, f- fuck you. <laughs> First of all, you don't even get to do the whole intro with, uh, my name's Sean. I've been all evening long making AI art with... No, motherfucker. I was the one who basically created a whole new genre of soft corn <laughs> AI-generated porn photos that are now that are forever on my fucking phone that, you know, probably somewhere, I don't know, maybe artificial intelligence is tracking this shit and it's, like, turning me in and, <laughs> and some algorithm's like, this guy is a fucking freak. This guy has fucking problems because the thing this guy was asking for, fucking nobody should put in a fucking algorithm but I did it for you. <laughs> What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocodiles and crocodingos, you skeletors and skeletons? And fucking, if you want to be a freak, we're all about it. Fucking be a freak. I'm Preston. How are you? Oh, God. If it wasn't <laughs> against some kind of law, we should show the pictures. Um, so for context, um, also show. They're meaty. Let's just say that. They're meaty. <laughs> so... Shayla, in one of her classes, was tasked with making a mnemonic image of something that would allow you to remember um, different elements of yeast, yeast infections, uh, that kind of thing. And her teacher's like, hey, you could use AI to generate these images. And at first I was going to draw it. And I'm just like, man, I bet Preston could just whip this out real quick because we've been using that for our cover art. And so I was like, hey, can you make me a picture of, like, moldy bread, cheese, beer, and a vagina-leaking cottage cheese? Because that's what she and her classmates wanted in the image. And to Preston's credit, he made some fantastic imagery. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's probably some kind of new subcategory on Pornhub. Um, but it was a little too saucy for us to use for the class project. Yeah. So I ended up making a pretty cute little cartoon of a bread with eyeballs looking over at a vagina that's got cottage cheese coming out of it. And Preston now has probably enough imagery to start a, a soft core uh, porn site, I imagine. But Nonetheless, Shayla says yeah. thank you very much. She appreciates all your hard work. Yeah. You're welcome. Even though it wasn't exactly what I needed. So, and here, here's the thing with AI. As you're typing in the prompts, I was typing in all those prompts, and it just, mm-hmm. it wasn't understanding what I was wanting. Like, it wanted to go there, but it didn't. So maybe it put a lady next to a table with all those items, but maybe she just had one boob hanging out. So then I started mm-hmm. over a whole new prompt. It was just like, bada bing, bada boom, baby. I know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. I know what you want. And uh, Say no more, fam. <laughs> yeah, say no more. <laughs> what you made is nothing short of fantastic, but definitely not appropriate for her to take to class, unfortunately. It's a lot of uh, I, very I, curvy. I, 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 
I feel like this is not high school. Like we're at a college level here that there should be some, uh, yeah. you know, like you get what yeah. you get. I mean, you've got some pretty cool photos. I the prompt. What was the prompt I gave you? The prompt I gave you was moldy bread and mug of spilled beer on table with stinky cheese and vagina floating in background. And to my credit um, or discredit, I didn't quite understand the assignment. So Preston made some pretty cool imagery. Um, some of it we can post actually um, in the Instagram, Instagram and Facebook feed. <laughs> yeah, some of it's not that bad. Uh, some of it is exactly what I told you. And then, unfortunately, uh, Midjourney doesn't understand the vagina part of it. And it's just full-out, voluptuous, curvy, nude models eating cheese and slicing bread and then just getting real raunchy. And, and, I, uh, and, I, and I like how on, like, one photo on the poster, it's, it tried to put the word meaty on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it's too good, man. And then it turns into like nude models laying on like charcuterie boards. Um, maybe we should call yeah. them charcuterie boards um, with beer and cheese and everything just hanging out. Yeah, it really went off course real fast. Uh, and then, of course, the image I made is just darling. It's just a cute little piece of moldy bread and a beer wearing a diaper and some cottage cheese and a... Uh, and a flashlight, really. It's like a, it's like a <laughs> flashlight hanging in the, hanging on the ceiling or something. I don't know. It's just, it's just so adorable. But yeah, hey, thank you again, man. Shayla's very appreciative of the effort. And uh, who knows? Maybe this is something you can do to make some side money. You know, a little side hustle there. There's got to be some kind of kink for moldy cheese and uh, naturally curvy women. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well. How's that for an intro, folks? It kind of sets the tone for tonight's episode because, like we mentioned last time, there was one story we saved from our uh, Strange Planet episode, and we're going to share that harrowing experience on this one. But first, Preston, um, you got a few news stories to share, yeah? August 17, 2023, from NPR, people are freaking out over a question mark scene in space. The James Webb Space Telescope recently captured a stunning new image of what scientists call a pair of actively forming stars. But eagle-eyed viewers are quick to seize on the even tinier and to some more intriguing detail at the very bottom of the frame. An orange formation and an unmistakable shape of a question mark, tail and all. The photos, which is actually a composite of a half dozen infrared images, went viral on social media sites like fucking Twitter, I'm not going to say it's a new name because it's stupid, and Reddit <laughs> yeah. after the European Space Agency shared its last uh, late last month, prompting the ESA to clarify that, yes folks, it's not a hoax. Aliens know we found them and now they're just messing with us, one Reddit user wrote. The photo shows a lightly bound pair of young stars known as Herberg Haro 46-47, surrounded by a disk of gas and dust and dotted by distant galaxies and stars in the background. ESA says Herberg Haro is important to study because it's only a few thousand years old, and since stars take millions and millions of years to form, its young age offers researchers a chance to observe how stars gather mass, 
over time. So, uh, Marciana Grassa Marin, a web project scientist with Space Telescope Science Institute in Baltimore, fuck me, that's a mouthful, told NPR mm-hmm. in an email that the question mark is a great example of how, with Webb, no matter what you're looking at, you can have surprises in the background. And she has at least one theory of why it's resonating with so many people. I think we all enjoy finding similar shapes in the sky that create a deep connection between our human experience and language, and in this case, a question mark, and the beauty of the universe surrounding us. I think this exemplifies the human need for exploration and wonder, and to me, it brings the question of how many interesting objects are out there waiting to be explored with Webb. Scientists say the punctuation-shaped object appears to be two or more galaxies merging together. Ooh. It looks mm. like a group or a chance alignment of two or three galaxies. The upper part of the question mark looks like a distorted spiral galaxy may be merging with a second one. ESA study scientist Nora Lutzkendorf says that while it's too far away to say for sure, the arc of the question mark more likely comes from the tidal interaction between the galaxies, and the dot might as well just be a small spherical galaxies. Galaxy mergers are actually very common and happen all the time, she adds. And even in our own galaxy, it's interacting with its neighbor, the Andromeda Galaxy. And uh, it's a normal phase in life and the evolution of space. Damn. Space is the place, don't you know? Well, I mean, at least people are paying attention to, like, you know, the more serious stuff. Not saying that UFO disclosure is not serious, but it's cool to see that, like, not everyone's gone full tilt nuts and people are still paying attention just to the cosmos itself so and from the mirror fuck i should have looked at where i got this one so this one might be fake news (laughs) fucking mirror uk Uh uh-oh this one might not be it because my phone ain't loading it fake news do we want to value your privacy can we access your cookies and more Ooh. ooh after tonight i don't know (laughs) <laughs> oh well. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. That uh, that website's not loading, buddy. So huh, okay, uh, that's cool. going to be a well, ne- that's going to be a negative on that news story. Apparently, there's another asteroid heading straight for Earth, and we all might die in the next couple weeks. There we go. Paraphrased. Yeah. Well, on tonight's episode, we're going to talk about the excitingly sultry story of the alien abduction of Antonio Villas-Boas. So the hero of tonight's main story is a 23-year-old Brazilian farmer named Antonio Villas-Boas. On the evening of October 15, 1957, Antonio was out plowing some fields near São Francisco de Salas in Minas Gerais, Brazil where he happened to look up into the night sky casually, and he noticed a bright red star standing out against all the other stars in the night sky. Now, if you're like me, you might be wondering, just what the hell was he doing out there plowing his fields so late at night? And to answer your inquiry, because the heat of the day was reaching such an unbearable temperature, he had recently taken to plowing at night to beat the heat. Or to beat the meat. (laughs) not yet so as he's looking up at the bizarre red star he notices that after a few short minutes it almost seems like it's getting closer and getting bigger and if he didn't know any better he could almost swear that it's coming straight for him 
and after a few more minutes he realizes that his suspicions were indeed correct, and the red star was steadily growing in size, but now he could see that it <coughs> sorry, puberty. He could see that it wasn't just a star at all, but instead he recognized the object was ovioid in shape, almost like an egg. It appeared to be a craft of some kind, with a red light on the front and a rotating dome on top. Now, just like most cases have to do with the paranormal, Antonio felt as though he couldn't move suddenly. He was entranced in all of what was going on with this craft suddenly descending down towards him. And as it continued to descend, he continued to watch, frozen in place. Then the craft slowly began to descend downwards, and right about three feet above the ground, it stopped, and three mechanical legs slowly descended down from the craft like a tripod, resting on the ground. And this is the point of the story where Antonio finally snapped out of the trance and decided to get the hell out! Screw this noise, it's time to leave. So he fired up the tractor and put the pedal to the metal and tore ass down the field in the attempt to escape whatever the hell this big egg-shaped craft might have been. And wouldn't you just know it, just like in most of these stories, as he's driving away, the tractor suddenly stopped. He discovered now the headlights wouldn't work, he couldn't turn the engine over. This thing just sat there unresponsive and dead to the world. As Antonio tried to jump off the tractor and turn tail to run... He said, suddenly, a strange five-foot being appeared in front of him. It wrapped its arms around Antonio's shoulders, and he said he was wearing big gray overalls, and his eyes were small and blue and white in the middle. Antonio tried to yell at the being and ask him just what he was doing. But he said, suddenly, the being responded by making bizarre yelps and almost started barking like a dog. Brecker, 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 brecker. Rebecca Bra. And <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, because you know, one just isn't enough. Three more beings slowly appeared from out of the silver egg-shaped craft and soon joined the first, subduing Antonio. And together the four of them picked him up and took him back to the ship. Once inside the craft, things went from terrifying to a little saucy. See, he was led into a room by the four silver overall-clad creatures, and then they began to slowly remove all of his clothes, right down to his God-given birthday suit. Then they slowly slathered him in an unknown gel-like substance. Once he was good and lubed up, he was then led into a different room that had strange red symbols written above the doorway. So the being set him down on a small metal examination table and took out an instrument which they then used to put a small cut on Antonio's chin, where they then took various blood samples from the wound. Once the bizarre examination was done, he was then escorted out of the examination room and into yet a third room, where the four creatures then left him by himself, shutting the door behind him. As soon as the beings left, unknown gas was pumped into the room, which made Antonio incredibly nauseous. He said he would sit there by himself with his guts turning flip-flops for what felt like about a half an hour. After what felt like an eternity of sitting there with his stomach in knots, the door to the room suddenly opened again, 
And just as Antonio is thinking, man, I can't deal with these guys again anymore. I want to get the fuck out of here. A new entity made their way into the room. But this one was just a little different. Antonio said the new entity, to his shocking amazement, appeared to be a five-foot-tall, nude female human. Hey, baby. Except for the being's face shape was just a little off from his earthly human counterparts. Don't mind me, it's just a, it's just a little cold in here. Uh, normally I can <laughs> plow a field if you know what I mean. <laughs> I know. What's, I was hoping you'd catch that your, euphemism earlier. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your name, Mama? <laughs> what's your star? My son? name's Antonio. <laughs> I can lay it down. The female entity had a very pointed shin, which tapered up to a much wider forehead than Earth girls typically had. She also had two large blue slanted cat-like eyes, and her hair was very long and wavy and near a platinum blonde. I'm here he to make peace. You want to you wanna accept my ropes of friendship, Mama? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's Johnny Bravo. <laughs> Ooh, Mama. And he said what also was a bit off was the fact that the hair under her arm and her pubic hair was a bright, fiery red. Otherwise, she had ample breasts, wide hips, and looked very similar to Marilyn Monroe, of course, the well-known pop culture figure. And again, Preston, she looks like Marilyn Monroe, you know, ample breasts, long, wavy, blonde hair, you know, kind of a, a very curvaceous, bodacious babe. It makes you wonder, are these entities able to like kind of look into our psyche and the zeitgeist and then appear to us as something that's familiar that we know and won't quite be, you know, scared of? I think they have like a little blip blap bloop incubator off in the corner and they mm. click clack some buttons and it's like bloop, microwaves out this blonde <laughs> and uh <laughs> They're like, go get it on. We need, uh, we need some human DNA alien hybrids. Hurry up, make that baby. Chop, chop. Ah, could be, could be. Well, anyway, Antonio was into it, and the two made sweet, sweet love, but not without a couple hitches. Yeah, she was nibbling on that chin. Like mm -hmm. he was like, "Is this where? Uh, is this what foreplay is? Where you come from?" Like, yeah, I don't know what to do with myself, but uh, nibble away. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. What, One you want me to nibble back? What do we What do we do? Yeah. Do you have a straight razor I can cut your chin? Yeah. One notable thing that Antonio found very bizarre was the being wouldn't kiss him, but rather instead seemed to have a fascination with nibbling on his chin and licking, especially in the area from which the blood sample had been taken from earlier. But any hoozle, once they finished bumping uglies, clapping cheeks, and swapping secretions, the female entity stood up and almost seemed to be a bit relieved that this act of copulation was finally complete. Fuck, just like oh, just like alien men. I didn't think I was ever going to get there. God damn it, Antonio. I had to nibble your chin for hours. It's <laughs> oh, a lot of work. Gross. Antonio stared at her quizzically, and she simply smiled back whilst rubbing her belly and simultaneously... That's right, motherfucker. You're going to be paying that child support in like six <laughs> months because I'm an alien. Yep. I won't be faxing that shit and needle casting <laughs> that to you. Don't worry. We might be a galaxy away, but you're still going to be paying. 18 goddamn years, Antonio. 18 goddamn like years. Like Kanye said, 18 years. She's got you for 18 years. 
That's right, folks. She was looking at him simply smiling while rubbing her belly and pointing upwards into the sky, almost to signify that it was time for her to leave, back up into the heavens from whence she came. You know, before she came. Antonio was then overcome with a sense of anger all of a sudden, because he suddenly knew where all this was going and what all this meant. And he had the sneaking suspicion that he was nothing more than a simple intergalactic booty call, a glorified breeding stud for these weird humanoids. And whatever offspring that he and Martian Merlin Monroe had just created would be taken right away from him and raised by these otherworldly beings far, far away, somewhere in outer space. And within moments, his suspicions were pretty well confirmed, because the sultry space seductress walked her fine little ass out of the room, and the other osh-gosh-bagosh-clad entities from earlier ran into the room, gave him back his clothes, quickly got him dressed, and then gave him a tour of their ship before quickly escorting him back off the craft. Now, not knowing, surely, that anyone would believe him if he tried to tell anybody what just happened, during the tour, he said that he attempted to take a small clock-like device he found and put it into his pocket to keep as proof of the encounter. But as he was exiting the ship, one of the humanoids noticed he was hiding something, and they looked at him like, Uh, yeah, buddy, you better give that back. Cough it up, motherfucker. Now, I know we had six of these fucking alarm clocks. Now there's five. And then just as suddenly as they came, and he came, they all went. And Antonio stood there out in his fields, watching as this weird little egg-shaped craft took off, drifting upwards into the night sky until the red light faded into the night sky, disappearing back into that same sea of stars that he originally thought the strange little red star had belonged to. When he returned home, Antonio discovered that, bizarrely, four hours had passed. Years after the encounter, Antonio would go on to become a lawyer. He got married and had four kids of his own, earthbound kids, that is. But throughout the rest of his life after the event, he always stuck to the story of the alleged abduction until the day he died on January 17, 1991. Now, so ends the story of the abduction of Antonio Vilas Boas, or as Preston lovingly calls this tale, the tale of intergalactic child sport. <laughs> but there's a little epilogue here to our tale, folks, because following this horny and harrowing events that transpired on October 15, 1957, Antonio claimed that once he had returned home, he started suffering from bouts of nausea and severe weakness, as well as really gnarly headaches and strange lesions all over his skin. Dude, guy, he got space AIDS. He, he may got a space STD, space chlamydia, Ooh. space gonorrhea, space clap, you know, space crabs. <laughs> Some kind of intergalactic drip dick. Yeah, Eventually, you, you know what, buddy? Protection is key. Even in space. Yeah, man. Especially in space. Because space (laughs) is the place. (laughs) Eventually, he contacted a journalist named Jose Martins, who had placed an ad in a newspaper looking for people who had experiences with UFOs. And after hearing... You had the space clap? Dial (laughs) 1-888-888-888. There's a visine for that. We want your space clap stories. (laughs) 
After hearing Antonio's story, Martins contacted Olavo Fontes of the National School of Medicine of Brazil. Fontes was also in contact with the American UFO research group APRO. Fontes examined the farmer and concluded that he had been exposed to large doses of radiation from an unknown source and was now suffering from mild radiation sickness. In an official report that was documented, among Boas' symptoms were pains throughout the body, nausea, headaches, loss of appetite, ceaselessly burning sensations in the eyes, cautious lesions at the, sightless, uh, at the slightest light bruising, which went on to appear for months, looking like small reddish nodules, harder than the skin around them, and protuberant, painful when touched, each with a small central orifice yielding a yellowish, thin, watery discharge. Yeah, dude got space fucking herps, man. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The skin surrounding the wounds persisted a hypochromatic... Fucking gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> God, Damn. I know. The skin surrounding the wounds presented a hypochromatic violet-tinged area. So around these space herpes, his skin started turning like a light purple. Fuck, dude. Ooh. Was it worth it, Antonia? Was it worth it? And according to a researcher named Peter Rogerson, Antonio's story first came out into the public light around February of 1958 and was even printed in the Brazilian UFO periodical SBES-DV Bulletin sometime around April to June of 1962, and he believes the story circulated around various publications between 1958 and 1962. So, like, for five years, his story just made its rounds through all these magazines. You know, Antone- this guy actually has some clout, if you think about it. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I posed that question to you, Sean. What would you do to get your dick wet? Space herps? Nope. I wouldn't. Not worth Wouldn't it. touch that with the 10-foot pole. I am not as committed as old Antonio. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think I would just uh, go back home. <laughs> I definitely don't think I would just make a pass at the first space alien that you know throws me into a ship with a bunch of guys wearing fucking silver coveralls. Yeah, I don't trust that at all. For all I know, those four guys are watching from a crack in the window or fucking eyes that are poked out of the picture, just getting off watch this whole thing go down. I'd be like, can you use like one of them like uh, cert, you know, medical grade vacuum cleaners and just suck out my DNA? Like, I know. I don't I don't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I mean, that's a thing. Like, there's countless stories of these kind of things happening where semen samples have been taken from, you know, men. And they do it a whole different way. They just put, like, this cup over your junk and it sucks it out of you, you know, while you're just Man. like some, you know, lightly cooked suck, pasta. Suck, suck 5,000 or space herbs. Dude, give me I'll, – I'll take the I'll take the loss. Mm-hmm. Give me the suck 5,000 because I'm coming home clean. <laughs> right. I don't want weird little nodules on my junk that have, you know, yellowy, watery discharge and purple bruises. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it at all. Well, all in all, Antonio was able to recall every detail of the purported experience without the need for hypnotic regression. Further, his experience occurred back in 1957, which would still be a few years before the famous Betty and Barney Hill abduction which really made the concept of alien abduction famous and opened the door for a lot of other folks to report similar experiences. So some believe that he might have been the first person to really go public with an encounter of the alien kind. Well, buddy, I found another interesting story here because, you know, that's not the only weird thing that happened in Brazil. 
We may have touched on this story before briefly with Rob, but I don't fucking remember it. You already asked me. I don't think I don't. You don't remember this at all, huh? No. And I have a pretty good. I think out of the two of us, I have a better running memory of topics that we've covered because you'll you'll be like, "Hey, I found this story. We have we haven't covered." I'm like, "You no, motherfucker, we have." And I'll give you the episode (laughs) and everything. You're like, "Oh shit, okay." And you're like, "Hey, did we cover this?" I'm like, "No, no." I don't think so. It doesn't ring a bell, man. Unless it's like that weird Bob Barb Barker, Bearstein Bear paradox thing going on right now, where everybody thought Bob Barker died like ten years ago, and I'm just in, yeah. you know, you slipped in an alternate universe, or I slipped in an alternate universe, and maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, apparently, folks, if you didn't hear already, Bob Barker died a couple days ago. And to my knowledge, he kicked the old shit bucket about 10 years ago. So I don't have any recollection of this going down at all. It's that fucking Mandela effect again. Well, anyway, our second story for tonight is the mystery of the lead masks of Brazil, also known simply as the lead mask mystery. On August 20th, 1966, a young man named Jorge da Costa Alves was taking his brand new kite off onto the hills to fly and he wandered through Vintim Hill in the, uh, wow, Natario, Rio de Janeiro. Yes, I know I mispronounced that real quick. Anyway, he came across a heart-stopping sight. Two dead bodies laying in the weeds. When police arrived, they found a strange scene. Both dead men wore raincoats over top formal dress suits. But even more bizarrely, each were wearing a pair of homemade lead sunglass-like masks over their eyes. Now, nearby them was an empty water bottle, some towels, and a little bit of cash. But what was the most strange about the entire situation was one solitary clue, a note that was found in one of the dead men's pockets that read, 1630, be at agreed place. 1830. Swallow capsules. After effect, protect metals. Wait for mask signal. And thus, the lead mask case begun. But although police managed to gather more information about the dead men in the next few days, each answer only led to more questions. So as you see there, they made a pair of homemade sunglasses out of lead. I don't think you could see through them. There were no slits cut in them. They were almost like sleeping masks. Well, police were soon able to identify both the dead men as Monel Piera de Cruz, a 32-year-old, and Miguel Jose Viana, a 34-year-old. Both were married men's, and they were electronic repairmen who hailed from Campos de Goyo, Texas, about 175 miles away from where they were found. With their identities in hand, the police attempted to retrace the final steps. They found that the Piera de Cruz and Viana had both told their families on the morning of August 17th that they needed to go to Sao Paulo to buy equipment and a car. But instead, the two men had boarded a bus for Nitoroi. Uh, After returning around 2 p.m., the men made several stops. They bought identical raincoats at a local store and a bottle of mineral water at a bar. Now, significant to the story, they kept the receipt suggesting they meant to return the empty bottle later for a refund. But witnesses who remembered them could tell that something was off. 
the bartender who sold Viana and Piera de Cruz the bottle of water, recalled Viana seeming very nervous. She told police he kept checking the time on his wristwatch. From there, the lead mask case grew cold. Both men were last seen heading into the hills around 3.15 p.m. Three days later, they would have been found dead. Both men were more than simple electrician repairmen, though. According to Piara de Cruz's wife, both men had dabbled in scientific spiritualism, and both were interested in contacting alien spirits. In fact, they tried multiple times with their friend Elcio Gomez. This is like that uh, Heaven's Gate fucking cult. Fucking drink the Kool-Aid and put on your lead mask, motherfucker. Gonna see an alien. (laughs) Gonna leave this earthly realm. (laughs) At one point, the two electricians built a device that ended up blowing up in the back of Piera del Cruz's backyard. The three men had apparently tried the device again on a beach and claimed to have witnessed an explosion in the sky. Police, however, followed more terrestrial leads and they briefly eyed Gomez as a potential murder suspect, since Piera de Cruz's wife said that he had fought with her husband. Gomez also told them contradictory stories. Another man showed up, a Mr. Hamilton Benzani, who told police that he had helped rob and kill Piera de Cruz and Viana after meeting them at a spiritualism center, luring them to the hills. He claims an accomplice told him, we have killed them both, we forced them at revolver point to take the poison. However, the police were unable to find anything to back up the story. So in the end, not enough is known of why the two men went to the hills. The mystery continues on to this day to fascinate and frustrate people because nobody knows exactly what happened up on the hill or how they got there. Manuel Pierre de Cruz and Miguel Jose Viana climbed the Ventum Hill with a mission in mind. They slipped the lead mask over their eyes, then their world went dark and the mystery of the lead masks began. So some folks believe they took poison like you said, Preston, like the Heaven's Gate, in an attempt to contact spiritual aliens. Other people believe they went up there, just got high as fuck, put the lead glasses over their eyes to kind of trip balls, similar to how you would do it in a sensory deprivation tank. What do you think, Preston? Dude, this is like fucking Heaven's Gate zero, you know, <laughs> 1.0. I think you're exactly right, man. I think you're exactly right. Well, tonight's episode's a little shorter than the last one, and that's A-OK, because my fingers are exhausted. Preston, how about yours? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if my fingers are exhausted, but, man, my fucking eyeballs are just like, I've seen some shit that I can't unsee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're exactly right, buddy. Well, next time around, what do you got cooking for us, man? A little trip back to uh, Strange Planet. So yeah, we're, we're going to go some, some crack it back open uh, the Borderlands. And uh, I sent you the uh, the list of chapters and said, pick two. So, uh, you know, I figured mm-hmm. out of like 10 chapters, we'll cover three in the book. And you picked Where the Wild Things Are and The Reign okay. of Frogs. And uh, so I'm doing uh, Where the Wild Things Are, so we're going to cover that next time around, and uh, that's probably going to be a long Oh, awesome. Nice, man. So the Reign of Frogs was, I'm guessing, last episode, huh? No. What? There's more frogs? Yeah, there's more (laughs) frogs, man. 
Now, is this like rain coming down or like the rain of like an army of frogmen? I'm thinking it's like uh, the rain of like, you know, prehistoric frogs that fuck shit up. And like, I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, hit that like button. Listen to Lazarus. Like, subscribe, and share. <laughs> God damn it. Smash that shit. Most definitely. Most definitely. Hey, we're making some steady headway also on uh, Rumble, man. We're getting some pretty uh, steady headway there and also Facebook. So we appreciate all you guys watching. And also on the old Instagram, man, um, we're going to hit that thousand followers pretty darn quick. We're at 926 now, which is just huge. So we're really thankful for that. Super stoked. I bet we hit a thousand. Man, dare I say maybe before Halloween, that'd be freaking awesome. I bet awesome. if we post those smutty photos, we'll get a thousand. People are like, give me more of that shit. <laughs> um, I definitely will throw some of, their, uh, some of those on there and do some light editing and then make those a little bit more uh, appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Good PG, stuff. PG-13. Yeah, going to be safer that way anyway. Cool. All right, well, everybody, thanks for joining us. We sure appreciate you guys watching, um, following... Oh, shit. Lazarus said flying monkeys in California. Okay, good stuff. We're also going to have a little chat next time about those Peruvian face stealers as well. Um, that'll definitely be something we've got to check out. If you guys are on Instagram, in the meantime, give us a follow at... Whoa, whoa, hmm. whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, don't cut me. That's... Uh... Oh, wait, no, hold on. You do the Instagram and the social media stuff. and then Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm, buddy. I'm just out of, out of step. I'm thinking about those saucy... F photos that i made go ahead <laughs> i really want warm beer and moldy cheese all of a sudden yeah <laughs> in the meantime if you're on instagram please give us a follow we are pxl paranormal on facebook we are the pixelated paranormal podcast preston what do you got on youtube what do you got on rumble what do you got on beard ball so we got uh 275 subscribers still on youtube um uh, so i mean we've kind of stalled tires came to a screeching halt so if you're watching this, uh, you know, share with all your friends, like and subscribe. Rumble, we're getting the views, but nobody's liking. Like, dude, you, if you watched it, even if you spent five minutes, hit that fucking subscribe button. Help a couple guys mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And as yeah, always, yeah. if you need a beard, if you want a beard, um, you know, if you want a beard that's going to get you the meaty stuff and some moldy cheese, and head over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And uh, you can pick yourself up some scents that will guarantee you to get you intergalactic child support and the uh, <laughs> hyperspace herps. You know, bay rum, fresh, citrus, mint, classic, sweet tobacco. Get it all. Get it at Dobbs. P-X-L-P-A-R-A -A for 20% off your order. Get it all. Get it at Dobbs. Look at you like a pro. Also in the Wichita area, please stop by. See our friends over at the Paranormal.Cafe. Also the Paranormal Experience food truck. And stop by and say hi to Leslie and the rest of the gang down there at CD Trade Post, Pawnee, and Seneca. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this slightly sloppy episode uh, we can't wait till next time. we got a lot of fun stuff and some news stories I've been sitting on for a while that just seem to be appropriate for next episode. Until next time, folks, I'm going to raise this glass of Spice Cake Barrel Aged Stout and say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that pixelated paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. 
Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.